Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. It's a bonus episode. My name is Brian. And hey, I'm Murdoch. Bonus episode. <laughs> bonus. Uh, bonus We're we really making a bonus. There's an extra cast member today. There's an extra uh, person on the podcast. It's our and uh, I, producer, I'm Troy. Giving him a, I'm giving him a lap dance when this story is over. <laughs> Troy, I'm so okay. excited. So Troy, Troy, other people. I, we were nervous about doing the episode about Nine Inch Nails because we know our executive producer Troy is a giant Nine Inch Nails fan. So I have to ask you, Troy, did you know the anecdote about the uh, FBI and Nine Inch Nails in their first music video? Yes or no? No, I did not. So yes! uh, kudos, guys. I know you're a big fan. How many times have you seen Nine Inch Nails in concert? Man, to give you an accurate number uh, as a challenge, uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of fun in the 90s. Wink, wink. So, uh, the, you know, the numbers are blurry. I'll, so I'll more, more than 10? More than I 10? Say, I will say it's in the double digits. Oh, that's amazing. I've seen Nine Inch Nails live more times than I've seen any other band. Wow. Uh, anybody who knows anything about Nine Inch Nails live shows, they rely heavily on lasers and lights and smoke and pyrotechnics and uh, videotape hanging from the uh, rafter, you know, just all the things. Big, big, super uh, sure. elaborate lot. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't do anything small. That's if we established anything in our episode and our storytelling about them. Reznor is always about pushing the envelope. Right, right. Just killer, killer, killer. And so anyway, uh, one year they were headlining one of the Ozfests. I guess it was uh, 2006 or so. Oh, wow. And it was with Teeth Tour, right? Okay, okay. That's the stripped down record, right? Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Nine Inch Nails put out an album called With Teeth, and the the point of that album was uh, to be super stripped down. The family and I, we we spent all day uh, out in the the beautiful weather, uh, clear as day, all day long, right? We're examining the the stage, and, you know, we we don't see any signs of screens or, you know, LED screens or, or, or lasers or... Wow. Like, oh, wow going to be interesting nine inch nails without an elaborate stage show so this will be fun nine inch the sun goes down nine inch nails walks out on stage swear to god as soon as the band takes the stage lightning in the distance and as storm clouds as they play the the clouds roll in the sky is flashing it starts raining on and that, and then as soon as they're just in the, in the thick of, you know, their first song, mid first song, it just pours down rain and we're standing in this middle of the, you know, this thunderstorm. And we're like, Oh, I get it now. He doesn't need lasers. He doesn't need smoke. <laughs> and his nails <laughs> literally brought the thunder. The light show was the storm that Trent Reznor summoned. It was um. <laughs> So, how, so did you stay the whole set? Like, did they do the whole set with the oh, storm? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So even when there's lightning in the area, they, they didn't have to cancel the show? I mean, I know that's the norm for these days, but not then. Wow. That's nice, man. Is that the coolest uh, Is that the coolest show of all the more than 10 that you've seen? Was that the most memorable one? Um, you know, I think the most memorable one that I've seen, uh, I guess 92 was when uh Marilyn Manson was opening for him. Marilyn right. Manson was right, on his right, first. Right. Uh people had like he had just come out like get your gun whatever, you know, he was scaring uh the parents. Uh it, it was so early in his career that at, at some point like uh, he started playing Sweet Dreams and it had not been released as a single yet. Oh. It, it was it was um interesting because uh 
you know, it took everybody a minute to kind of catch on to what the, the melody was, you know, and, and like the, the audience collectively was, you know, kind of figured it out. Uh, you know, granted, again, this wasn't released. This wasn't a single. But the, the thing that made this so interesting was it was uh, Marilyn Manson opening, Nine Inch Nails headlining. And in the middle uh, during switchover was the Jim Rose sideshow circus. Oh, yeah. Anvil just, hanging from my dick. That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, j- just uh, 90s super freaks. Um it was crazy. It was really, really cool. Oh, and bet. And also, uh, you know, Manson came out. Nobody, again, nobody really knew uh, what to think at the time. And he came out uh, just super, like seven foot tall and super skinny and, and wearing these black leather pants. And he had this black leather dildo strapped to his pants. But from where we were sitting, it all looked like one piece. And I guess, I don't know if it was the, the, atmosphere at the time or maybe the substances at the time or you know what whatever it was but we didn't understand that it was uh, a, a, a dildo a false i don't know how you're going to edit that uh, that word out i'm uh, not but, i'm not going to edit that word out it's a bonus episode you so you yeah, signed up for this so, but but it, it's almost like the at least the, the crowd that i was hanging with at the time and it felt like the entire arena would kind of look at each other like holy shit manson is <laughs> wow brian warner has a huge long yeah. oh man okay so i want to i want you to hit us with troy the producer's top three nine inch nail songs oh number one sorry wish goes to the top what's number two yeah uh you know i have to i probably have to say closer because of the the video Oh, we talked about that, right? The video, very important. Yeah, when I saw that, that kind of blew my mind. Okay, number three. I, I probably have to say The Hand That Feeds. I really dig that song. That's a good one. I will say a, a little more feedback from the Nine Inch Nails episode. We did get a note from Tom who uh, wanted to point out to us that Wild Weed, which uh, Murdoch and I had a good time talking about the wild weed that was in the uh, in the farming area. Remember this? Yes, that areas. Yeah, he, yes. he wanted to point out that, that that's, you know, wild weed is hemp, which is... I get, but it's much sure. more fun. It's much more fun to call it wild weed. I stand yeah, right. by my decision to call it that. But I just imagine someone that I grew up with going, I don't know how that got over here on my fence line. <laughs> like, really? I thought that yeah, was course, oregano. Yeah, of course you know what's going everywhere. Uh, so uh, also, I, I, there's another thing we need to talk about, I think, before uh, we close out. I, one thing we have not talked about on the show yet, but when we talk about music history intersecting with our popular culture in the current day. We haven't talked about Kate Bush on this show and Kate Bush is back in a major way in the pop yeah. cultural uh, dialogue. Are you, are you guys caught up on stranger things? Season four? Thing, yes. Yeah. Caught up. Okay. Yeah, so I am not, not spoil so it. no spoilers, no spoilers. Cause I'm not, can't do I'm, it, and we can't spoil it for you. Okay. But All I, right. I do I'm know done. that, that Kate Bush running up a hill deal with God is a big deal again. So like, let, let, hit me with your thoughts on that song and its reemergence. I'll start with you, Murdoch. Oh, I listened to it um, in high school, and that was a freaking long time ago. And um, it's, I mean, I loved it then too, but then I'd never listened to Kate Bush much after that, that record. So, yeah, that's my question is what's your familiarity with Kate Bush? Troy, are you a Kate Bush fan? You got any history with Kate Bush yeah. as an artist? Uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I cannot contribute to this uh, part of the conversation. I, I've 
was not familiar until Stranger Things. That one uh, did not cross my radar. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, so she, in 78, age 19, is when she tops the singles chart for the first time with a single called Wuthering Heights, which I will admit that I do not know. Me neither. Um, but 25 top 40 singles in the UK, including songs like The Man with Child in His Eyes, Babushka, and of course, Running Up That Hill. Uh, a fun and fact about- over here, and nothing over here. Like she was. Oh not yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not a, not a big star in the in in America uh, until now. So <laughs> surprise! Uh, it's yeah. been it's been fun because this has been pop cultural fodder. It's like every single news outlet has run a story on. Oh my God! Let's talk about Kate Bush. Uh, you know because we haven't for <laughs> the entirety of her career. Yeah, if you check out just if you go on the YouTube's. Uh, if you look up Running Up That Hill or if you look up Hounds of Love, which arguably might be a better song, the the people, the quality of people that have covered those songs are oh, like yeah. exceptional, exceptional. Oh, placebo, yeah, yeah. placebo covered Running Up That Hill. Do, do you know who produced her demo tape? She started writing songs at 11 years old and she got signed to EMI Records because David freaking Gilmore helped her produce a demo. What? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, dude. So she's writing at eleven. She's she's got a hot single at nineteen. So I mean, she started really young. So she was born in fifty eight. She's on the singles charts in the late seventies. Uh, so her and career has been. She's only, I mean, fifty eight to what is that? 60, 62. 62, 63, 64? Yeah. yeah, she's not old by any stretch of the imagination. And she's probably rich, and we just wouldn't know it because she wasn't a big success. Twenty five top ten singles in the UK. I mean, listen. You know, or top 40 singles. What, one more fun fact about Kate Bush that I did not know. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, first female artist in pop history to have written every track on an album, on a, on a debut album that sold more than a million copies. Oh, nice. It's significant. Lots of yep. qualifiers to that accolade, but still a significant accolade. First female in history to have written every track on a million selling debut album. Wow. I think she should take uh, control of this um, and try to make some extra cash out of it. Right. I mean, she's been a little reclusive, right? Like she's, she's yeah. not somebody that's been out in the world a whole lot. And so it is, it's sort of fun when this sort of thing happens to somebody who hasn't been trying or angling for a, a career renaissance. And I think that's why everyone is paying attention because all of a sudden it's back and everyone's like, wait a second, we might've missed someone. She could do a Patreon and just charge like lawyer hours to like hang out or yeah. teach people how to play songs. Yeah. Most popular track in the UK ahead of Harry Styles uh, on the uh, last week. So, hey, Troy, thanks for coming in. You're, it's beautiful to see you. Thank you for being a part of this, Troy. And usually I have Murdoch do this, but now I'm going to ask you, uh, what do people keep doing until next time? Keep telling stories, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, he better not do it just completely normal. He's got to throw some flavor in there.